Hey everybody, what is going on? Welcome back once again to a brand new episode of Sweeten Up. I am your host, Jeff Spencer, coming at you from my podcast studio located in the heart of Newtown, Connecticut. Thank you so much for taking some time to join me today. Whether you have for a while or you are today for the first time, I greatly appreciate it and it means a lot to me. As always, if you like what you hear on the podcast today, please be sure to subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts so that you never miss a future episode. You can find the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Sweeten Up Podcast. Also, if you have a suggestion for the podcast, want to write into the show, or would like to be a guest on the podcast down the road, please reach out to us at sweetenuppodcast at gmail.com. Are you looking to tie the knot? If so... I am a licensed ordained minister, so if you're a fan of the podcast and are getting married or know someone who is getting married, whether you're a fan or not, let me know. I would love to be a part of your special day. It would be a lot of fun. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Just search Jeff Spencer and send me a DM. With that being said, my guest on the podcast today, or guests, was Newtown's first brewery, Reverie Brewing Company. In the middle of October, I was so fortunate to have sat down with managing member and co-founder Ryan Broderick and head brewer and co-founder Frank Lockwood. We had a really awesome and fun conversation with so many laughs, diving into how Reverie came to be, the building, the journey, a big announcement from the guys about the future at Reverie, and so much more. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here they are, my friends and owners of Reverie Brewing Company, Ryan Broderick and Frank Lockwood. Joining me on the podcast today, live inside Reverie Brewing Company, a stone's throw from Blue Colony Diner and the on and off ramp of exit 10 on I-84, what started as quietly thinking about relaxing at the end of the day with an IPA quickly flourished from pining over the success of other craft breweries to the reality of creating floor plans and refining beer recipes. Reverie Brewing Company's vision is to create and promote high-quality, great-tasting beer for beer lovers to enjoy. They strive to be a positive and honest partner to the community and to brew craft beers with integrity while focusing on sustainability. And today, I am so, so fortunate to be sitting down with the managing member and co-founder, Ryan Broderick, and the head brewer and co-founder, Frank Lockwood. Guys, thank you so much for joining me today. Frank, let's start with you. you. How are you doing today? Good, good, doing great. <laughs> and Ryan, how are you doing today, Good, buddy? thanks. Glad we could get this finally scheduled. I know we've been uh, chasing each other around for a couple weeks, so happy to be here. Exactly. No, I, I Well, we're always agree. here, so happy to have you here. <laughs> no, and I love coming here. I'm, I uh, spend time here frequently, and um, I love riding my bike here. It's, it's super, super great. And, you know, it's so great to sit down with you guys today uh, for the podcast because you guys were the first brewery to enter Newtown, and it's just been a long time coming, I feel like, for our town. And I've been here since I was four years old, and ever since I turned 21 and really got into beer, I was like, man, Newtown really needs uh, a brewery. And I always joke to my friends that I would be the first one, but uh, it's a lot of work, and a lot goes into it. And when you guys opened, I was so happy. Just hearing that you guys were coming here, I was so happy. And when I came down here for the first time, I was just like, yes, finally. Newtown has not only a great brewery, but great people who own the brewery and are going to do great things for the community. So one place I want to start, and I guess I'll start with Ryan, where does this passion and where did this drive come from to want to jump in and uh, and start a brewery? And where does your your history and beer kind of start? So um, for me, and uh, it really started, 
I had a 10 year career in finance and I didn't dislike my job by any means, but what I did dislike was, um, we were heavily tied to the stock market, obviously. So when the market was open, we were, I was pretty much chained to my desk. Um, you know, you'd leave for more than five minutes to go to lunch. People are like, where, where's Ryan? Where's Ryan? And, um, I had always liked craft beer. And honestly, I think for, for this place specifically, um, things kind of happened for a reason and a lot of good timing and a lot of good luck happened here. You know, I met Frank, I, I don't, you know, I was a below novice home brewer who couldn't even give away some of the beer that I made to my friends, let alone sell it. But I sure like to drink it and I love the culture of craft beer and I love going to places and I love sitting at a place and, and talking to people. Um, that's kind of the reason why we don't have any TVs down there. And so I met Frank through a friend that I went to college with who he grew up with. And it was super kind of like I had just mentioned that I was thinking about doing this and that's how we got connected. And I was also at a spot in my life where my wife was willing to let me quit my job to do this because we were young, newly married, no kids. I now have a kid. Frank now has a kid. And I think all the time, if those kids were here when we were trying to do this, it probably <laughs> would have never happened right. because it's such a bigger risk to, um, we were just in a different place in our lives and it's worked out great, but it was just kind of the stars kind of aligned. And we kind of said, can I swear in this podcast? Yeah. I, we kind of just said, fuck it. And we did it. <laughs> and, um, you know, th th not saying there wasn't a lot of work I mean, there was a ton of work to go in, but just the, the genesis of it, kind of everything fell in line and, uh, we were off and rolling. That's awesome. That's super great. I mean, it sounds like you guys are one big dream team, as you guys like to say. And early on, what was it like dealing with Newtown when it came to getting the whole process started of opening the brewery? Was it kind of difficult? Was there some was there some some uh, some hoops to jump through? Um, what was that process like being the first one to enter Newtown? Can I tell you in two weeks after we have our zoning hearing? <laughs> <laughs> so we're trying to get um, our back building uh, rezoned so we can hold some people private events back there in the winter. Cool. Um, no, but so actually for us, it was uh, pretty easy and the town had kind of already without us having to do the legwork written um, breweries and distilleries into the commercial zoning um, regulations. Um, so we didn't have to do that. What we did have to do was like kind of fight for the size of our tap room and some parking things and, and that, but like uh, them food trucks. Um, so them like allowing breweries, like they were, I don't know if it was in the works before us because there had been other people like, you know, possibly talking about doing something or they just wanted to make the town more attractive. So that was nice that we didn't have to force the change for breweries to be allowed in commercial places. So was it difficult finding a building or was this building something that you guys found yeah, there early was, on? There was we only looked at two places, oddly enough. The first one we looked at was Fairfield Hills, where, yeah. where New Salem <laughs> is. Right. Um, and we thought it would be way too much money so they did a great job with that place i yeah. can't i don't even i don't even know how much time and money that took but and then this 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 place and there wasn't much else on the market and we wanted to be the thing we liked about this place was the location right off 84 yes and that there was nothing in here it was an old you know shop for you know dump trucks and heavy machinery so yeah. there wasn't a ton of work to get everything out it was more just fitting the place for us. So it was like an empty shell and we could kind of do whatever we want with it. So to shift over here to Mr. Frank Lockwood, um, Frank, where did your journey start in beer? You know, now that you're head brewer here at Reverie, what were you doing before? Where did your passion and love of beer come from? And uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, sure. So I, I have a background in advertising. You know, I've worked in over a decade in the New York City advertising world. Oh, cool. Um, so, <clears throat> but while I was there, um, I also have over a decade in homebrew as well. 
So as part of the New York Homebrew Guild, um, did some competitions, won some awards, collaborated with uh, Single Cut, Flagship, and Staten Island, Firewake Gastro Brewery, which <laughs> nice. is Fifth Hammer in Brooklyn now. I love Fifth Hammer. Yep. Um, so, uh, I was, I was in the beer scene for a while and actually while I was in advertising, a job had came up for a pilot brewer at, uh, R and D brewer for Brooklyn brew shop. They do one gallon, all grain kits. Uh, that's their focus. That's cool. Uh, and they do recipe books and they sell like Bed Bath Beyond, Nordstrom, but they're primarily e-commerce. So I had seen that just on the beer threads, you know, when you're homebrewing, you're just constantly reading about beer. Uh, so, uh, came up, I applied and, you know, I, I did that every Sunday while I was doing my full-time career. And every Sunday for two years, I was just brewing pilot batches for them, for their events, their testers, for their, their whatever. So we actually ended up buying the, the Sabco system that I was brewing on with them as our pilot system that oh, we cool. rarely get to use right now. Cause there's <laughs> so much going on. Uh, anybody who wants to start a homebrew club, wink, wink. Uh, yeah, I, I, um, started as a, uh, you know, like most people start as extract brewer, uh, made my way up to all grain brewing, um, did a lot of cider. We're actually not only going to be the first brewery in Newtown, but the first cidery in Newtown as well. Nice. Uh, so we're working on, we already got our license just recently. Uh, we're yep. Getting the cider coming in, figuring out if that means we can do mead as well. Uh, you know, if there's anything that we can dabble our toes in, we will. But uh, that, that just likens back to, you know, having good quality beverages really for anybody. That's why we released seltzer this summer. Um, as well, especially with the shutdown that was helpful for us. But, uh, yeah, my background's really in marketing and then exploration and in all things beer. Nice. Um, you know, I just kind of like it. I think it's fun. It applies to the science and the art side of my mind. So yeah, no, I, the beers here are tremendous at Reverie. Thank I you. absolutely love them. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think there's a bad one, my opinion. Thank um, you. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're just so good. And so many new beers you guys keep, keep turning out and they're just, they're just so, so great. And I know that a lot goes into brewing. So just kind of in your mind, how much really goes into brewing beer? Because some people think, oh, well, it doesn't look that hard. I can just get into it. No problem. But there is so much cleaning. There is so much, there's so much that goes into it than just brewing beer um that people think it's this you know glamorous thing and you know it can be but like in your opinion what's it like uh every day you know brewing beers so yeah i mean we're on a schedule where we pretty much brew once a week uh we are fortunate enough to have enough space here that um we're really oversized for what our demand needs to be so we're 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 poised to kind of expand um which is good and it's not too much overhead for us to have that equipment and do all that yeah so luckily um you know i brew once a week which a lot of brewers in the area or nationally are just like what are you talking about (laughs) so uh that really does um benefit my learning right so my learning again it's mostly homebrew i was on the sabco system i collaborated with some breweries but learning the cleaning processes and all that stuff to the point everyone's thinking about this. It was a lot, it was a lot to undertake. And, and, you know, I probably went into it, you know, wholeheartedly, but half brainedly, uh, thinking like, Oh yeah, you could do it. So, uh, you know, we decided to like pour our own floors, but we all know fucking squeegeeing sucks, uh, especially on the floors that you poured yourself. Right. Uh, so, (laughs) you know, there's, there's a lot of things that go into it and yeah, cleanings, cleaning is a big aspect of it, but you know, you learn the fun part for me still is I love to learn. 
Um, and we're learning new things all the time, uh, every week. So there's definitely more cleaning than you thought. There's, there's a lot more quality control than when it comes up from home brewing and we're adding equipment every day. But, you know, I think that we strike a nice balance as a team in understanding, you know, what, what is it that we want to invest in? What's, what's, you know, what's our level of quality based on our maturity and where we're going and, uh, figuring out how do we continue to serve the market that we have and then figuring out what's the next thing we invest in to, to scale the, the quality of what we're doing. Yeah. And almost nothing is done without, um, like a team meeting with our other partner, my father, Mark, but, um, just to interject on what Frank said, sure. I think one of the biggest time sucks we had, especially in the beginning, and we still is the highlight of almost every single beer meeting, is our beer brewing schedule and what do we want to make next? How much of it do we want to can versus how much do we want to keg? And we have always been, since day one, very focused on not having a board full of 12 IPAs from our 12 draft lines. Um, a, that, and then B, producing a new a new beer almost every week or every other week. So that's kind of why when you come into your tap room, you'll see... We hope that you see a very a wide array, sometimes beers that you, you know, we had a wee heavy on um, this winter. Most people are like, I've never even seen one of those on tap anywhere before. Um, so, so and then we're going to have IPAs, of course, because I, you know, they sell and I like them and Mark loves them. Yeah. But so that that's kind of like a big part of the planning that goes on behind the scenes is talking about the brew schedule, what we want to make and what do we think is going to sell in the coming months or the seasons. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the things that I really, really loved about you guys is you weren't just, oh, let's just do what's trendy. You're like, no, we're doing what we want to do and we're going to have a bunch of different beers and it's going to rotate and we're going to have a new one, you know, almost every week, like you said. And we're not just going to fall into that category where we have all these IPAs. Most of the time, some places you go, they all taste the same. And it's like, you know, you guys are bringing something different and, and a variety. And I think it appeals to more people, which is why so many people are coming in here and you guys are doing such a great job. So I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up. One thing I want to ask is, what's the most difficult part? And I'll ask uh, both of you guys and whoever wants to start first. What is the most difficult part about what you do and owning and, and running and operating a brewery? For me, it's more about owning your own business. And it's not difficult. It's just the fact that you never really have time away. You know, at my old job, weekends were my weekends. I didn't check my email. I didn't worry about the markets or whatnot. Um, and it's kind of, I mean, I'm not complaining. I love what we do, but you're constantly on. If something happens in the tap room, I'm getting a text or a phone call. If something happens with shipping delays or one of the fermenters is is not what the temperature is supposed to be or the power goes out, like then Frank's here, even if he was planning. The, so that aspect of it is just like, I mean, everybody who owns their own business knows that. And so that's probably the biggest change for me is just being on 24-7. Yeah, for me, uh, I would say it's the... I don't know. I, I, I'm the type of person that puts a lot of stress on myself, probably unnecessary stress. So it's, it's the constant stress of, um, things that probably even Ryan and Mark aren't worried about. <laughs> They're probably <laughs> like, why is he so ramped up about this? Uh, and it's like something that I'm putting stress on that, that might be a small factor, but, um, gotcha. you know, again, like Ryan said, you're your own business owner. There's the phone ringing right now. Ryan's going to go run and answer it. Cause he can't stop himself. Oh no, that's <laughs> listen, we're here at Reverie Brewing Company. They don't sleep. They're open twenty four seven. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's illegal. Yeah, that's illegal. That's illegal. That's <laughs> no, illegal. I'm, We're I'm open kidding. so their liquor permit allows exactly, it to be open. Exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm making this up as I go. But yeah, I would say those are the challenges: is trying to figure out what's the thing to stress about and what's the thing not to stress about, really, because we all know it's a big responsibility. But what what's going to move the needle of the business and what's something that's like, okay, well, you know, I can figure out 
how to get to that in an appropriate manner. So, um, I think we're all pretty good at prioritizing the, the problem is it's a big list to prioritize. And you know, when we don't, we, we meet pretty regularly weekly, but when we don't meet, I think we all feel the burden of like, I need someone to like bounce this off of to figure out what the hell's going on. <laughs> right. And I guess in the opposite direction, and I'll start with you and we can work back over here to Ryan is, you know, what are some of the best parts about owning a brewery um, and all that it is, how it's very community focused and a, just a great place for people to gather. Well, for me uh, specifically, it's, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm always attuned into trying to improve what I'm doing and, and, you know, to, to be in a good partnership here where we can um, explore and do different varieties of beers and, and get that feedback from a community. That's what I really enjoy. I mean, we have, you know, uh, we'll probably knock Mark too much on this podcast and try not to, but, uh, I, you know, we made a Gruit last summer that was received really well. Now, does it sell a shitload? No, but it was fun to do a Gruit with ingredients I've never touched before, learn something from it. Um, you know, it, it tastes pretty sour, even though it's not a sour, but it's a really fun experimental beer that we got to do. Um, yeah. And, you know, and the staff loves it. There, there's, it's got a little core audience, you know, and that's not something like, as a home brewer, you don't get that feedback. I used to do experimental beers all the time. My wife, she's not an IPA bro, but I like to joke that she is <laughs> um, because, you know, she can be jocular about that stuff from time to time. So it's like it's really great to have a larger audience to um, throw things out with and see the support for it, even if it's not like. You know, we're obviously not going to throw our, our business model behind Gruitz. Uh, I don't think that's the <laughs> that's that that's the move. But right. it, it's great that we can do that, and that I can get that feedback and, and get a little validity in like the idea of like you know I I could produce things that um, that I like that there's also a market for. So gotcha. And then so Ryan, I guess on the opposite side here, what's your favorite part? I love the town and the people and just the interaction we've had with the community, um, the, the friends, the coaster club people that come in, just. Uh, you know, I actually love being here bartending when it's not busy. So you can sit and talk to people um, when it's busy. Obviously, you're just buzzing around. But right. um, yeah, just being a part of something and um, interacting with people probably. And so I know that great food trucks come here all the time. There's one here right now on the fly food truck, Jeff Taby, Taproot, tremendous guy. We have a mutual connection. Um, his brother over at the Welk is great. Love going over there. Definitely want to get him on the podcast and hopefully I will soon. But, you know, the the Reverie Run Club, um, the Coaster Club, just the events, you know, the, the Alpaca Gnomes, a couple of the members of the Alpaca Gnomes are going to be here to, just tonight playing music. I mean, this is a place, a great place with so much going on. And, you know, how proud are you of just all the stuff that goes on here, all the cool events? I know Lucas Local was here last night. That was slamming. I mean, considering the year and just everything going on, like how proud are you of that? Yeah, it's great. Um, we've always wanted the business to be about making beer, um, which is why we don't have a kitchen. Having food trucks is, you know, it's a pain, but it's also great because it allows us to pivot the menu or who's coming every once in a while. Um, right. But events have always been a core part of Reverie. And, you know, you were here before before the coronavirus. And that's actually one thing I probably miss the most yeah. is like Friday nights in the winter with a band inside yeah. and like every seat full. I don't know when <laughs> we're going to worry about yeah. social distancing. <laughs> I don't know when we're ever going to get back to that, but that was always part of the goal was to do music, to do events. Um, you know, we've held a lot of like fundraisers here. We give up 
the space when we're not using it to like other small businesses or local charities whenever we can. Um, just this Sunday coming up, actually, the Newtown Yoga Center is we're just letting them use our patio to do two classes because she can't socially distance properly in her place. That's awesome. And so um, we've I think we've got a great space. I think it turned out really well for what we wanted. Um, and we just want people to come. And I think the biggest thing is getting people here nine, 10, nine out of 10 times, they're going to come back. And that's the goal. And we think events just draw people that might never have been here or are coming to meet a friend or are coming for the food truck. And they're like, huh? Oh, reverie. It's I'm going to go back there next time. Blah, blah, blah. here or tomorrow or whatever. Right, right. So events are great. They're great. And right. you know, we're trying to do what we can through COVID with being safe and social distancing and, you know, but it's a different world. Out there right, 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 right. And so to, sort of shifting to how we now have another brewery here in um, town, New Asylum, who came on the podcast uh, a few months back. But when I had them on and I mentioned you guys, I love the sort of bromance, so to speak, the love fest. I love how they were like, yeah, you know, if we're short on something, you know, we'll hit them up and they help us out. And it's just like we're a team. We're working together. I mean, obviously, it wasn't going to be like, are you team Reverie? Are you team New Asylum? But like, I'm just so glad that like there's two breweries in town now. There's options. You know, if if you guys are really busy, people can go to New Asylum. If New Asylum is really busy, people probably come here. I'm sure it's mutually beneficial. So I guess I'll start with with Frank. What's your thoughts on the new brewery in town and the relationship? And then I guess I'll I'll go over to Ryan. Uh, yeah, I mean, as a beer drinker, you know, having a, a one location with multiple places to go get good beer is awesome. So, uh, like you said, they they only we're almost to our two year anniversary of opening here, right. and we still get people from Newtown that say. I haven't had a chance to been here yet. It's my first time. And it's like, well, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Well, thank you for coming. Hope you come back. Yeah. But you know, you know, it's 40,000 people here. It is yeah. a lot, right? It's you know, lot, how yeah. do you get 40,000 people into the door? <laughs> um, it's great to have another brewery in here because it just brings up the idea the, of, you know, beer come to is Newtown a thing and have, and, have and, and come to Newtown and have right. a day. <laughs> right. 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 So uh, that aspect's awesome. You know, we we did the virtual beer event with them and yes. you know, we definitely helped things out. I think down the line they just started, right? And mm -hmm. they opened up in one of the most terrible situations they could have during the pandemic, yeah. right? Like our, we haven't beat our sales from our opening weekend. And that was with our initial beer list, right? So, and we've done massive events since then. So just that initial gotcha. inrush of people like, a new brewery, let me go. Uh, and we, and you know, I didn't have a huge, it's not like they were like, oh, award-winning brewer. It's like home brewer opens a brewery. So there's like really <laughs> no reason for that other than the fact we're like fucking new beer. Yes. Uh, so, you know, on, great marketing. Great marketing. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we just close the doors for a year and do it once a year, every year. It. That's I it. We'll, it. They'll be fine. I love it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, they unfortunately lost that. Hopefully they can get some groundswell of that back once this is all over. But you know, who knows? Because that initial crowd that's already been there has been there. So, you know, I feel for them in that fact, because it, it would have been rough. They have no choice, right? right. We wouldn't have had a choice. Right. But yeah, you know, down the line, having them here is only beneficial to each other. Definitely would love to do some, um, you know, collaborations mm. as well. And, you know, our, our spaces are so different 
that's one of the luxuries. We, we really have a luxury here. And, it, and it's funny. I was just out back cleaning out the space today because we we're trying to make it into tap room. I'm like, where the fuck am I going to put this shit? But I'm not like, I'm not like tucked away into like an old asylum or tucked away into an old train station. Right. I'm literally like, oh, I guess I'll go fit in that eight by eight square over there. Like that, you know, we're, right. we're in a good, we're, you're in a back office here where we're doing this podcast right yes. now. And it's literally the size of like broken symmetry yeah. or some other brewery set around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's true. They're making it work, and we're just it's like, true. Eh, I don't know. Should we get rid of that poster over there? You know, I leave it. You want to take that? Eh, you want to take that table? It's like we just got junk, man. Sometimes right, right, in right. places. That's great. So, uh, that's great. yeah. So you know, that's a good thing about having a brewery here. Eventually, we'll learn each other's advantages, find a way to collaborate, and do that. And that I think that's what breweries do. They they that's look awesome. to each other and see what what's your advantage, what's our advantage, how do we use those together, and and really kind of you know not even make a profit, but make uh, make something good happen. Right. Really, whether it whether it's a, a something to support support a nonprofit, um, just bring something fun to our consumers. I, I think this is a, a industry in general of the craft side anyway, that's not looking to make a huge profit. They're right. looking to kind of have some fun, feel good about what they did and, and sleep good at night. So, right. Yeah. And nobody wins if there's like dislike hatred or a feud, right? It's not like yeah. two pizza places that hate each other are going to have their little customers, <laughs> right? We're going to, every charity in town that's now going to have an event is going to invite both of us and we're going to be there and we're going to support them. We're going to see each other all the time. So it's Team just, town. right. And then, and to Frank's point, they're at right off exit 11. We are right off exit 10. You live in Waterbury, come down, exit 10, come here, go to New Asylum, hop on 84, go back home. Us. Yeah, so um, it's, I mean, how many towns in Connecticut that are smaller than us have like three or four breweries? Right. Um, you know, Manchester has like six breweries. I don't know yeah. how many people live in Manchester. Maybe it's a lot more than I thought. <laughs> but, um, you know, so there's room. And, and right. I think for us, we want them to be successful, and they will be because their beer is good and their location is stunning. And it'll only be better for the town and for both of us. Yeah. I mean, I tell people all the time, do you have a bike? Because you can bike to, you know, I have an electric bike, so I cheat. It goes 20 miles per hour. So I can bike, over, you know, and I live kind of in the heart of Newtown near the flagpole, sort of. So I can bike over here. I can bike to New Salem. I can, I can go back and forth, you know, 10 times in a day and make a day out of just my, my town, Newtown, which used to be a town where... You know, there really wasn't much you could do. I mean, obviously, my place restaurant. Expand the sidewalks. I know. No, I know. I know. And I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, let's just get a bunch of people biking around town, walking around, going to the different breweries. But uh, another thing I want to ask is, uh, and I guess I'll start with Ryan, and I'll work my way to Frank. Uh, what are some, what are, what's your favorite style of beer? And what's a beer that you really like that maybe some other people would be like, what? My favorite style of beer is definitely... I'm, I'll have to admit it's an IPA, but five years ago I was drinking IPAs like 75% of the time I was drinking beer. Now it's probably like 25. Owning this brewery and, and working with Frank has definitely like changed my palate. Um, the beer that I love the most that I never would have thought that I would love is the beer that he made when we were, I think you might have done it for the first time in my house, in my garage on nice. Sabco. Didn't we brew there like twice? Yeah. Um, was the Fletcherill Strength, which we still have yes. in our So schedule. talk about that real quick. Um, I'll let Frank talk about the beer, yeah. but it's a... Okay, okay. Um, that beer, if you had asked me before we started, like it would have, a, a, a Scottish ale, we heavy with peanut butter, be one of your favorite beers. I'd have been like, not a chance. Yeah, so... And I love it. So Frank, that's right. We need to talk about that beer, and I'm glad you brought it up because the peanut butter beer is what really blows people's mind when I, when I go around town and they're like, Reverie's peanut butter beer, and I'm like, I know, it's amazing. <laughs> My brother-in-law, big peanut butter, 
Potter guy, mm-hmm. Big Reese's guy. Yeah. When he had that, like, just mind blown. <laughs> I mean, got yeah. it. You know, I got it. The four pack at Yankee Wine and Spirits. Shout out to Chris Siski. And just amazing. So, what's tell me about that beer? Yeah. So that beer, and in, 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 you know, full transparency, uh, I don't like peanut butter. But to tell you something about the way that I think about brewing and I think about flavor, sure. I don't think about my own palate. I think about combinations. Gotcha. Um, and availability and what the ingredients can do, right? right? So that beer was a catalyst of actually pouring the fucking floors. I swear to God, it was a dream. I had a dream. And it was about a fucking slump of concrete coming down and said, add more peanut butter. And that was like my catalyst to be like, all right, what the fuck does that mean? That's cool. What else is going on in your life? I was also, (laughs) at the time, my wife was pregnant. I wasn't getting much sleep. There's a lot going on, you know, so who knows what all that stimuli was from. But I started thinking about it. I was like, all right, peanut butter, what can you do with peanut butter? And, you know, obviously peanut butter jelly is a a main combination. And I just started thinking about beer styles that are jammy in quality. And I personally am not a fan of excess sweetness in beer. Me neither. New England IPA is good. It's balanced out. I don't like to put lactose in our beer to get that sweetness. I think that we can try to control it. I Yeah. We I actually tend to pass probably on the lactose beers, yeah, yeah. We, we probably favor yeast strains that will attenuate less and leave that maltose behind. Nice. In favor of the balance of the flavor versus the haziness. We have to fix our water profile too. That's our haziness. But I, you know, you're not getting the super. You are getting hazy beers from here, but I digress. So back to the uh, peanut butter beer. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I was just, what's a jammy beer? And yeast can make jammy flavors. And I was just, you know, researching, looking up. I've had wee heavies before. Actually, the one that I had at Flagship, who I had collaborated with, I remember having one because Patrick is a, uh, he's the head brewer over at Flagship, and um, he worked with Harpoon and a bunch of guys. He's a huge advocate of more of like the traditional styles. I, I kind of dipped my toes into the waters of wee heavies with him and had that little bit of background. So I started to do some more research and um, having that catalyst of like, all right, peanut butter, Jamie, what can I do? Uh, <laughs> I was like, all right, well, why don't we try a wee heavy? So to Ryan's point, we were like, all right, in our testing phase, and this is why it'd be great to get back to more testing, which we will. And actually the cider program has just made us invest in a bunch of equipment that's going to allow us to do it nice. uh, more often. That's awesome. But the idea of like a jammy dark beer just sounded like, all right, malt forward, bread, jam, toss some peanut butter on it, right? So it just made sense. And we tested it. We loved it. Yeah, um, so I think good. our first batch was so thick and sludgy, it wouldn't come out of the keg or it was too <laughs> hazy or something. So we we, we, we dialed back the PB2. Gotcha. Uh, and then we actually, when I scaled it up the first time, I, we still have a bunch of PB2 in a container out there from the first batch that we haven't used because... <laughs> it was not necessary. Yeah, right. It was not necessary. So, yeah. but it's a fun, it is a fun beer. And, you know, I do enjoy it. Uh, we were doing uh, what we call PB and J's here. We mix them with our raspberry porter. Originally, when we came out, it was almost ethyl, but ethyl formate yes. uh, is the beer that we make, blend with that. So, um, good. so yeah, you, you blend those two together and it's extra jammy. You get your peanut butter um, and it tiles down the uh, alcohol level nice. a little bit there. And too, Double so. Dipper. I love Double Dipper. She's coming back. November 3rd, everyone come in for our t-shirt and double dipper special, November 3rd, election day. I saw the t-shirt. One way or the other, you're going to fucking need a bunch of double dipper. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I saw the t-shirt and I was like, I need the t-shirt. And we have no TV, so you can't follow along what's going on. You just just come and drink your sorrows or whatever happens. You got to put it on your phone. You got to watch it on your iPad. You got to bring something over here to watch. But you can't talk about it. No politics at Reverie. (laughs) Exactly. No (laughs) politics at Reverie. Don't even start. Don't even ask. 
bring a dog so we can look at your dog and and um, talk to him. So a couple more things before before we uh, we wrap up here. And thank you guys so much for welcoming me in here to do this uh, episode. Uh, this is super great, and I've been meaning to do this for a while. You know, at the end of the day, what do you really want to see? Where do you like to see Reverie go in the future? Just what are some thoughts that you have for the future, and where would you like to see Reverie go? And I guess I'll I'll start with whoever wants to take it first. Well, I'd like to get through the pandemic first. Um, that sounds great. And just get back to what was the normal. Um, that but, sounds perfect. But long term, we do. We've always wanted a space for private events or um, you know weddings or things like that. Um, because we don't like to disrupt our main tap room. Um, I think one of the worst things you could do as a business is have somebody who's driving from out of state or from Hartford come to a place that's closed for a private event. Mm. Um, so we've had to say no to a lot of private events. We've actually only closed once, and it was for a charity event in February. Nice. Um, we were open that day, but we closed at 6. And yeah, so hyperlocal clause. Yes, um, I remember that. And our space being is big enough so if we have smaller you know 50 50 or under type events we can accommodate them um you know put them under the tent or put them in half of the brewery when there's no pandemic and then the other half is open sure um but so my my biggest focus i think long term besides growing the business from a distribution standpoint probably is getting either not a second i don't want to say a second location but a, a spot whether it's that back patio or Maybe if somebody ever buys this building in front of us, that's for sale. Um, okay. Uh, just getting a place where we could say yes to somebody if they had a hundred person wedding and they wanted to come or, or something like that. So I think event space distribution are probably my focus for the next. Well, real quick, speaking of the building in front of you, if it was a perfect world, what would you like to see open in that building? Anything. Okay. Parking yeah. Parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Let's level it. Uh, Everybody who comes into the brewery for the first time almost makes a comment about that building. And we had um, three comedians come I can't up. see you guys. We had we had a comedy show in like January or December. Um, and they uh, made jokes a couple about guys, it or A couple guys came up from New York City. They were on like Comedy Central. Um, and three different it. acts, all three of them had an opening line about like that rape house or whatever that yeah. thing is in front. I saw a bobcat in front of it the other day when I was coming in to, to work. I was oh, like, wow. it's living in there. It's like there's wild animals going crazy. Squatters, yeah. <laughs> crazy but um in your opinion frank being the head brewer here where would you like to take um reverie brewing with the beers and the beer program and the cider program you know what's what's your future um plans here you know to to take this place to the next level so i think we're following a a model that um it's happening i'd like to see it happen more I, i you know like Brian said, distribution, everything is, is a big point, but we don't want to go too far. We're just on the border of Westchester. So that it's a little different for us when you're on a small state and you're on a border, you kind of have to dive into the other areas to get your revenue up. Sure. But I know that we all agree that we want to keep a small team, uh, happy, pay our employees well, and, and, you know, keep it a, a kind of a family business. Um, realistically, you know, what I like about that too is, you know, not only keeping a business and and with the events and everything, it's a, it's a destination, you know, I don't want our beers to kind of lose their, um, 
shock factor impact because they're always available or they're always, um, they're, 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 you can get them wherever. Right. You know, um, I'm not saying again, I'm not trying to toot my own horn and be like, Oh, try our peanut butter. It's the best (laughs) beer heavy ever. It's not, you know, it's great. It's great. People love it. And we got a lot of beers that people love, but the fact that you can come to a place that does some seasonality and does some beers that you can only have at a certain time, it's, it's fun. And you know, my wife and I, we like to travel and stuff. So we, uh, you know, going to places and travel and looking up places like, well, what are they known for? What are they? Have you had them before? It's like, we'll never go to a place when we travel. That's like a brand, you know, that's like a national brand or whatever. It's like, I, you know, I know, I know what you are. It's like, you know, the macro breweries are like, Oh, have you ever had Heineken in Holland? Like, no, don't give a shit. <laughs> I get it. It tastes better. Cause yeah. yeah, it's skunked. You send it over here on a boat for two months. It's skunked. It's yeah. gross. True. I can imagine that the Pilsner is better when it's fresh off the tap. You know, Heineken, <laughs> Heineken tastes great in Montreal, Canada. I At 32 degrees. I was like, I was like, man, Heineken yeah. in, in Canada tastes way better. They probably than, have a better shipping. We smuggled program. it down. Now I'm in trouble. No, I'm just no, kidding. you're not. You're not. Don't <laughs> worry. Kidding. We we actually I I do I do love macrobrews. I like what they do. But it's uh, to my to my point there. It's like I think our you know our business model is that is is to Ryan's point destination get some distribution going. But then as far as like beer and variety go, it t- ties right into that. It's nice. like we don't have flagships, right? You don't see something always on tap that we've had. You see them come back. Right. And they might not have a seasonality to them, some of them, but we don't have like, this is a flagship beer. You're always going to get it when you come here. Because to be honest with you, again, we don't have the process controls in place yet. So every time you try something uh, that might have been done, there's probably something a little bit different about it uh, every time because um, nice. Double Dipper, like I said, it's coming up again. Nice. My opinion, I think it's the best battery done, but I've changed some things up in it. Love it. Uh, a little bit since the last time we've done Can't it. Wait. So it's like, you know, you know, and but we'll see that feedback. My, again, my palate's not the the best palette uh, as far as consumers go. Look, I can't wait and I'll be here for my t-shirt. I got to get that t-shirt because I love that logo design. It's so great. Two more things. If you're not drinking Reverie beer and you're home hanging out, what what is a go-to beer for you that you like? Is there one that you can think of? probably tequila <laughs> all right that's fine i don't know i know that's uh one of the things that owning i guess i should have said price spirit. goes down spirit uh, or uh we i mean my wife and i because we can walk to it from our house uh and they have great food there too we go to broken symmetry a lot and we okay, love those cool. guys we've collaborated with them so uh it would probably be broken symmetry but i'm not bringing their cans home because i have so much cans in here <laughs> i'm really not going in the store to buy stuff to be honest with you right if i go up to so i i'll tell you so if i go up to new hampshire here's, here's some people probably hate my answer to this if i go up to new hampshire i got a ton of reverie beer i have some property up there and i just like you know you go in the woods That's and need awesome. some day drinking beer i buy a 30 pack of miller light oh yeah why not every time why not every time okay. <laughs> what about you ryan uh mine is definitely um from aspatuck brew labs down in um, Ooh, love aspatuck i guess then they're in bridgeford or fairfield black rock term uh, black rock actually yeah um their bramble which is like their raspberry yes. sour i yes. just i love that beer i don't know yes and i'm same. not a huge sour like you know i mean i'll drink we, we have a berlin weiss uh, yes. that we did this summer that i liked a lot right but i don't generally buy sours i love that beer and anytime awesome. i see anytime i see it in a liquor store i buy it the sour IPA that you guys have. Manual Power a, Sour. There's a story behind it. Yes, Manual Power Sour. So that Manual Power Sour uh, is an invention of stupidity and creativity. So uh, stupidity for one, because when you're caught in a pandemic and you're trying to stick to a schedule and get things done so you can run, keep a business running, you maybe don't 
understand the impact of an impending hurricane. <laughs> uh, so you decide to brew uh, during that day. Now, maybe you think that because you're in a downtown location, the power never goes out. It could possibly not happen to you. Right. That... And you got four-wheel drive truck, you can make it. Or the meteorologists are always wrong. <laughs> or, I don't even know what that term means anymore. Uh, so yeah, so decided to brew that day. Uh, we were brewing Waterfall that day. I was doing some process technique uh, testing, actually, and I was doing a double batch. So I had finished the first batch, kicked it over into the fermenter, was working on the second batch. It was in the mash tun, about ready to start to move over to the uh, kettle, and the power had flickered a couple of times before that. And we were like, I'm not going to go out. I had an electrician with me. He's like, I wouldn't go out. Uh, <laughs> and uh, went out. So went out, stayed out. <clears throat> and while it went out, frantically looking for generators, whatever we could do, because, you know, the, the glycol's down, everything's down. You're like, well, what the fuck? I gravity fed as much as I could out of the mash tun into the uh, kettle. Uh, I had sparge. I had not completed my sparge. Uh, but I had sparge going, so I had enough water in there to move everything over. Um, but what happened was once the gravity feeding was done, it was time to actually bring out the five gallon buckets, go to the lowest point of the mash tun, fill those up and manually move them into the kettle. So gotcha. it took about 30 runs up and down the stairs, uh, five gallon buckets, pouring them into the kettle saying oh, the power will come back, the power will come back, the power will come back. Uh, the power did not in fact come back. Uh, so around seven o'clock, seven 30, uh, we called it a day. Luckily we had a sour pitch from Leyland in the fridge. We pitched it, soured it for 48 hours while we frantically tried to find generators, uh, three phase generators to get everything done. We found a three phase generator, couldn't get it up and running, uh, in time before the power came back. Uh, so that was a good 48 hours. But the beer had soured for two days. I had the other half in the fermenter. It did not sour. It didn't do anything. It was fine. It was just wort. So we finished the brew. I had some strata hops on hand, luckily enough, because uh, I was going to do a test IPA with that. We had some uh, Cascade on hand. Nice. Tossed those two in there. Fired the kettle back up once we got power back going. Uh, boiled it, little bit of kettle hops. Most of it was whirlpooled and then tossed in as um, dry hopping, and you ended up with manual power sour. So tremendous. Turned out to be a really great beer. You know, we love it. Seven and a half percent. That's what he was just drinking. That's great. Um, That's a way of making it, a negative into a yeah, positive. Yeah, and with the forty-eight hour window of the souring, it got pretty sour. Uh, nice. but because it was a split batch, luckily enough, we were able to blend that and it's not an overpower sour and there's a good, still a good malt backbone to it along with, um, you know, a really nice hop. You know, if we had more hops, um, I would have liked to have done more hops on it, but I just didn't. Nice. Have. That's great. Listen, that's a great story. One thing I like to ask my guests before they leave me on the Sweeten Up podcast is, and I've been doing this for a while, Connecticut is known for its great pizza. Year after year after year, New Haven, or whether it's Colony Grill in Fairfield, they constantly are at the top of best pizzas in Connecticut and in the country. And, you know, of course, one being Frank Pepe's, the clam pizza number one in the country. So if you guys are in New Haven, any chance you get, even if you're not, a favorite pizza place just overall in general near near where you live or in New Haven or maybe just a place that you really like to go and have dinner, that's where I like to end. So what are some places, Frank, uh, that you like to go? Well, again, I, my wife and I, we don't move too far from our house in Bethel, especially with the shutdown. So gotcha. uh, we broke in symmetry. We love note. 
um tony um he carries us on tap you know we tap root as well jeff he's out in the parking lot we love going there exactly um my wife and her friends love to go to this little taco joint in brookfield i forget what it's called i've dropped her off there multiple times for mom's nights because they don't drink and drive is it taco baji uh i don't think it is Is it's by by where the bethel um farmer's market is okay 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 okay. um i I haven't met myself my wife raves about it okay cool (laughs) but i don't get invited to those nights <laughs> when, when you've been in new haven is there a place up there i love frank pepe's pepe's okay, yeah cool. oh yeah absolutely i've been in new haven cool. in new haven i'm trying to remember i mean i used to go out there i actually used to have a friend that lived in new haven when i worked in the city and we'd go out all the time but he worked at bar um love which bar, you know yeah. uh, i know that jason over at black hog um and everybody is kind of affiliated with 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 bar um yeah black hog right. and i had been there um there was a great little mexican restaurant and he took me to down there as well oh walrus and carpenter oh walrus love but i think that's love them they have a food truck too okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. um so i've been been there and um yeah so it, it, probably probably gonna get the best answers to me because yeah I, what about <laughs> what about you ryan what do you uh my wife and i's favorite restaurant when we used to, we used to live in stanford was this little italian place by the springdale train station called oleo um, maybe could only fit like 10 people inside, but the owner was also the chef and the server cool. when we were there. So it was a small little shop. Cool. Um, locally, I go to Nostrano's a lot with my wife. Okay. Their okay. food's amazing. And okay. then if I'm in New Haven, I'm probably going to bar. Nice. And it's Love not, bar. maybe not because I think they have the best pizza in New Haven. I think they have the best like ambiance and beer. Vibe. And the vibe, vibe is great. Yeah. Like great I love vibe. Sally's, but like. Same. It's like, you, know, yeah. you go, you, know, you go to bar. You go there like, for the pizza only. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, like you get there, you know, and they have the, the beer that they make their own beer in the brewery and stuff. So listen, guys, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it so much. I know you guys are, you guys are busy guys. You got a lot to do. You have a great brewery. Everybody, listen, Reverie Brewing Company here in Newtown, Connecticut. Not only do they have great beers, not only is it a great location, but the people that make up Reverie Brewing Company are tremendous people. They're a dream team, like it says on their website. Check them out, reveriebrewing.com. They're great people. Always always check them out on Instagram and places like that for their food trucks and their, their, their the new beers that are coming out. Don't sleep on these guys. They're great guys, and, and we love having them in this community. So thank you guys so much, and uh, have a great one. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming. Huge thanks once again to my guests on the podcast today, Ryan Broderick and Frank Lockwood of Reverie Brewing Company. Thank you both so much for sitting down and chatting with me. I had a great time. I'm wishing you guys all the best, and I look forward to the bright future that awaits Reverie Brewing. Thank you guys so much for being such a great addition to our town and all that you guys do for the community. Yet again, just like that, another episode of Sweeten Up is in the books. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate your feedback. As a reminder, you can play the podcast with the help of Alexa or Siri by simply saying, play the podcast Sweeten Up with Jeff Spencer. Thank you as always to my best friends, the guys who make it all possible, post-production and music Morgan Lutzi, art director Kurt Vinci, editor and writer Nick Passacreta, and huge thanks to Devin Sapelli. Next week on the podcast, I will be joined by the great and powerful Vincent Capaletti. A seasoned restaurateur of 35 years, Vincent Capaletti opened Lucas Local Oyster Bar and Wood-Fired Cookery in July of 2017 in Newtown, Connecticut with sheer passion, the help of friends and family, and with the tenacity that only true restaurateurs possess. Lucas Local is named after his son, 
and the local Connecticut coastline and farms that fuel Vincent's vibrant seafood and comfort food menu. Besides Lucas Local, Vincent also owns Centrico in Bethel, Connecticut, a go-to destination for from-scratch Mexican fare. Both restaurants are absolutely amazing, some of my favorite places to go, and I am so honored that Vincent was willing to sit down with me in the Sweeten Up Studios. You guys are in for a real treat. But until then, you know the deal. Stay safe, stay healthy, love you all. Peace. <laughs>